America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to Shit 90 Shows Taught Me. I'm Jess Sterling here with my co-host, Sarah Ferguson, on a special bonus podcast. Sarah, how are you? Doing great. Just taking a step back in memory lane. About to celebrate Hanukkah later in the week. Just really, really excited for all the uh, crummy presents I'm about to get. (laughs) And we are here with uh, the myth, the man, the legend, the man whore himself. Mike Bloom. Mike, how are you doing? Shalom. Tip of the yarmulke to you. Uh, I I am doing well. I'm so glad you put the myth above the man because let's (laughs) be honest, I am more fictional than realistic at this point. (laughs) Yes, we're so happy you could join us today. Today we're talking about a pretty epic episode of television from our youths. We're talking about the special Hanukkah episode of Rugrats. Sorry, Hanukkah. Thank you. Yeah, you got to get the the CH in. Yeah, your mucus needs to gather in the back like we all did at uh, at Coachella before COVID. Let that be a real congening of of your of saliva and all your fluids uh, through just speaking Hebrew at any point in time. Yeah, the the CH is literally the only thing that I picked up from Hebrew school in the many years that I went. So if if there's one thing that I can teach you, it's the Ha and Hanukkah, and that's about it. I'm so happy we learned something today. Hey, listen, you know what? If there's if there's one thing you can say about these Rugrats episodes is that they are surprisingly educational. So I think it only makes sense that it translates to the podcast proper. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk about how much we learned or how much we unlearned with their pronunciation that I I did remember, but it was it was a lot this episode. <laughs> um, so we're we're talking about Rugrats. Uh, for those who don't know it, it ran from August of 1991, which was actually the year and month I was born. <laughs> it premiered the day after my birthday wow. um, <laughs> uh, to 2004. And they they did do a reboot eventually of Rugrats All Grown Up. Uh, and that was in 2003 to 2008. They had many movies, Rugrats movie, Rugrats in Paris, Rugrats Go Wild, which was the crossover with the Wild Thornberries. A goodie. Um, a, an amazing one. Yeah, they, they had a lot of things going on. Um, and this was just one of the many uh no, like notorious episodes they had um because it was like the first it was one of the first shows uh first animated television shows to produce a special for a Jewish holiday and that was the regrets passover episode mm-hmm. um and this came the following year uh which i remember the passover episode actually much more than i remembered the hanukkah episode uh what about you like what are your memories of this of this one that's interesting because you were probably like three years old when the Passover special aired. Because, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I outside of, of studying and talking about like reality and, and, you know, prestige television. One of the things I do have like a borderline obsession with is animation and cartoons. And so even from a young age, like Rugrats was sort of my thing. It was one of the first initial Nicktoons ever mm-hmm. back when the network sort of, uh, you know, hit the hit the slate. 
And it was something that I immediately glommed onto, uh, you know, it premiered when I was like five years old. But once I sort of became of the age that I had mental, mental faculties to really get something out of it, besides the bright colors and funny voices, I really, really liked it. And Passover uh, was really the first one that I specifically remember, you know, obviously mm -hmm. coming from from a Jewish faith. And especially, you know, my, my family really puts the ish in Jewish to use that old adage. But one thing we really did every year was we did do a, a Passover Seder. And so that was definitely something that that I really, you know, connected with even more so than Hanukkah. The Hanukkah thing was was interesting because to sort of put it in the the timeline of Rugrats. So Rugrats uh, started animation with a company called Klas uh, Klasky Supo, which mm -hmm. you might remember did things like early Simpsons and like did a bunch of other uh, early on Nicktoons. And actually due to creative differences between the Passover episode and the Hanukkah episode, which was a difference, I think, of about like three years between production. Right. They promptly uh, broke things off and then went with another company. And so when you things look a little different and sound a little different in this episode. And you, you say it might just be because of like the tone of the holiday, which is, you know, it's a definitively darker holiday, I think, than Passover, uh, despite the inspirational message. But I, what I do remember about this episode in particular was just how different it was, how different it looked, how different it, it seemed, how, to your point, maybe the writing got a bit more, for lack of a better term, childish. Uh, mm -hmm. But it is still like a very great one in that, like, it's a freaking cartoon for kids that opens up with a retelling of the story of the Maccabees, which especially back in 1996 was unheard of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so Sarah, what, what did you think? Cause this, this came uh, like, like you said, Mike, they had the Passover episode in 95 and then there was like a three year gap where Rugrats wasn't on the air. And this was their first episode back was the Hanukkah episode. Um, which is really interesting. And like you said, they had a new production team. So it did, I, I think I even saw something like they made Angelica a little bit more likable because they were worried about the the bullying nature of her. But Sarah, what are your, your early memories of, of Rugrats? So Rugrats is, I have a very distinct memory of Rugrats being the very first, uh, show that I ever watched on Nickelodeon. I remember, um, like switching the channels and turning on Rugrats and that was my first introduction to Nickelodeon shows and um really just animated shows besides I don't know like back before then I was like hanging out with Barney and like you know <laughs> Sesame Street so this was like a whole new world for me discovering Nickelodeon and Rugrats was my very first um show and um, I, you know, Rugrats Hanukkah, I think that you're right. I think Passover is a little bit more memorable, but I definitely watching back at this episode, I remembered it all came flashing back to me. Um, another interesting and funny tidbit I have with Rugrats is that my bubby hated Rugrats with every Ooh. passion of her body <laughs> because, um, and Jessica, if you don't know, bubby is like Yiddish for grandma. No, you've talked about your Bubby before. I okay. picked that up. Yeah. So Bubby <laughs> hated Rugrats, like so much so that she like refused to let me watch it because she did <gasps> not like the kids, the babies behaving badly. Oh, she, interesting. She did not like 
misbehaving children. So I guess she thought it was going to be a bad influence on me. So whenever I think of Rugrats, I think fondly of my Bubby yelling at me for watching (laughs) this horrible television show and how she used to complain about the babies and the children not behaving nicely and getting into trouble and causing mischief. So I mean, can can I ask though, like what cartoon is that not the case in? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what. I guess she just wanted me to, like, stick with the, like, Peter Pan. Um, like, I remember I always watched that uh, P- that Peter Pan Broadway show. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? So yes. She- but yeah, but, like, Kathy Martin. But the thing is, there's a, there's a group in there called the Lost Boys. Yeah. Who are, bad. like, nasty little shits. <laughs> Like they're they're running around, they're like tying people up. Like they're they're doing some pretty. They're doing, I think, much uh, more aggressive things than the babies would ever do on Rugrats. Yeah. Well, I think that the point is, is that she wanted me to stick with something a little bit more highbrow. Maybe stick with some theater, or maybe some poetry, or something that Bubby felt like was educational. But hello, this is an educational episode of uh, mm-hmm. television. And I think a, a chunk of our topic today is going to be that this was my first exposure to um, a cartoon I can turn on the TV. And it was seeing people that were like me, which didn't really happen often. And I've talked about um, a little bit during our Boy Meets World episodes that I grew up in a town that was predominantly Christian or Catholic. And I was a very large, like in a, like a, big minority in um, my grade and in my school. So seeing anyone that was like kind of like me or someone I could relate to made a big impact on me uh, as a youth. Yeah, I think Rugrats is probably the first show I ever watched. And I don't know when I started watching it, but like it's my first memory of any show I watched where it's, you know, the Nicktoons, right? You had Doug, you had Rugrats, and Mm -hmm. then later on you had shows like Cat Dog and Rocket Power and, you know, all of those great shows. But Rugrats was – I honestly think I could – I don't know if I want to say credit Rugrats for some of my mispronunciations as a child. Because yeah, that definitely that definitely doesn't help things. That the humor is very much like, oh, they say things wrong. But if you're learning words, if from you're them, learning it's, to talk, yes. yeah, it's the, it's the opposite Henry Higgins thing. We're like, you should not be learning how to say things from them. They are teaching you the wrong way. <laughs> Yes, like I, I especially today, I was not like triggered, but they said instead of supposed to, they said opposed to. And I remember my mom used to get on me about that. Like that was something I did. And I'm wondering if like this is where I picked it up. It wouldn't surprise me if it is. Um, but yeah, I, I watched, I used to love Rugrats. Phil and Lil were my absolute favorite. I connected very much with Lillian. She was disgusting. She played in the dirt. She like ate <laughs> bugs. Like that was my life as a child. So I, I thought she was like the funniest. Now as an adult, I actually, I kind of like love to hate Angelica the most because <laughs> she's mm. so bossy. And I just think that's really fun to see on television just to see some like, you know, a young girl just like taking charge. Yeah, I mean, um, I think she's a little like maybe to your point about how they sort of plotted out Angelica is I, I feel like they made her so OTT that I feel like you can't really take her seriously. Not to besmirch yeah. uh, Sarah's Bobby, but I don't think anyone can be like, oh, I want to be Angelica <laughs> when I grow up. Because I believe most episodes ended with like Angelica's plans getting foiled or her getting in trouble. Right. So the lesson isn't like, hey, do bad stuff and nobody will care. It's like, hey, you know, karma is a bitch, Angelica. Yeah. 
Uh, so I think that, you know, especially watching it back, she also was given, I think, some of the more like adult lines because she was one of the more adult characters. Yeah. I will say as someone who uh, has been coming to grips with his own uh, battle with like anxiety, I think that Chucky has become that much more relatable to those of us that are in our 20s and 30s as well with like the idea of constantly yeah. being scared of things. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I was surprised seeing how much like, oh, wait, no, like Chucky's the reasonable one in all of this. He's like, you know what, (laughs) guys, this is not a good idea. We should not lock ourselves in a toy store for like 48 hours. And like, you know what, guys, like, let's just stay here in our pen. Um, I think that he had it right the entire time. Like when I was a kid, I'm like, yo, Chucky, you're a dud. But truthfully, <laughs> he had it right the whole time. And honestly, I I would so rather just stay in my playpen at this point in my life and quarantine myself in my playpen than go to like any adventures that Tommy wants to drag me to. I was going to say, do you think Chucky, Chucky was like, as soon as like, I think he got reports from China in like January, he's like, great, I'm going to start locking down. Like this quarantine's happening. Yeah, Chucky's the kid that all, like we were all like, ew, Chucky, like why do you have like 500 Chef Boyardee's in your basement? Yeah. Like, no guys, this is what's going to happen. You yeah, know. I could s- I don't remember too much of like the all grown up uh, sequel reboot because it was kind of trash. But like, I could imagine that Chucky could be like a prepper, right? Like, especially yes. as, as he got Didn't older, say, yeah. like him really believing in like conspiracy theories and like really going down that rabbit hole to to excess. Yeah, yes. no, and Chucky was definitely the coupon. one. Oh my gosh, he uh, he definitely coupons for sure. He does. You know, Chucky was the one as a kid that I was most frustrated with. I was like, Chucky, can you just please, please just go with it? Well, like, yeah, because I think he was also fun. like the main barrier to the plot as well. Like, he'd be like, hey, let's go yeah. do this thing, and he'd be like, oh, I don't want to do this. You're like, dude, come on, I want to see them do fun things. Because there was also like this didn't really happen in this episode, but there are so many episodes based around like their imagination and like right. going on all these crazy adventures around the house, and it it does seem like Chucky for the most part like goes along with it uh i do wonder you know if he had been able to choose another friend group would he have associated with these or was he sort of like brought into it because they're friends of the family but he's he's playing his role right now yeah i feel like as he gets older chucky's the one who's like i'm gonna hang out with the adults instead though like he's that kid i guarantee but yeah chucky was certainly not my favorite um but like this show actually i feel like it does a great job of introducing like you said, this is on in, in the early 1990s, but it has very strong women on the show, right? You have like Lucy Carmichael, Susie's mother, who, <laughs> you know, she works hard. And then you have Charlotte Pickles, like a CEO of a company, and she's a uh, boss bitch, that one. I mean, all I'm all I'm thinking of when you said that though was Betty DeVille, who has like the literal sweater with the with the, the female symbol on it. Like, oh, yes. <laughs> like that yes. is like absolutely she is like she is resist in the form of a woman like that should be the mascot <laughs> from an animated perspective like she is just yeah. it entirely feeling her oats and she's like you know and, and i love it because her husband is also like not the most masculine person as well right. so like they really do balance each other out in that perspective but yeah that's, that's one of those things that i didn't really obviously know what like the female and male symbols were until the first generation of pokemon thank you nidoran but uh, you know, being now looking back on it, like, oh, damn, like, that's a really fun way to, like, build that character that I, I initially didn't even think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tons of strong women and raising strong daughters as well. And Susie and I guess Angelica can be, um, <laughs> you know, her own Devil Wears Prada in her capacity. <laughs> I would hate to be her assistant. Um 
So yeah, lots of great female representation. I think that there's like a good mix, like 50-50 of male and female representation. So that I could really, um, anybody can relate to any of these characters. It's like a nice like variety of like different types of characters. I do believe that because they're obviously kids that I believe uh, it's almost like the opposite of Bob's Burgers and that I do believe like, you know, they're they're all the babies are voiced by women. Uh, and For the then, most part, yeah. yeah. And so I think the, all the only voice, the only voices that are being done by adult men are the adult men. Right. Yeah, it is nice to see that. And then on top of that, you have like, obviously, we're going to talk about this episode and Judaism. Um, and then I feel like Angelica kind of represents the like, people who get annoyed with like Starbucks cups, not saying Merry Christmas or something like I feel like she'd be that Wait, are you saying Angelica is a Karen? I can oh, see yeah, it being and, true. Yeah, Angelica is no. a Karen. Yeah, because yeah. she's like all about Christmas. All she cares about is Cynthia's Christmas like extravaganza. But then we also have like Susie who practices Kwanzaa in one of the episodes. So there is a decent amount of diversity in religious backgrounds, at least. Um, so yeah, it is a kind of, and this is all in early nineties, which was kind of, again, like you were saying, like, it's kind of unheard of to see this type of thing on television in the early nineties. Um, to mention even like looking at like family situations, which, you know, like, right. you know, unique family situations have been represented. Otherwise, like Arthur, for example, had Buster's parents being divorced, which was obviously going on with about 50% of couples at the time, but had not really been shown on screen because they wanted to put over the image of like one big happy family. But you have Chucky's dad, who is a widower. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember, actually, I think the episode after this one is the Mother's Day episode, which Correct. is just like oh, a gut punch of, of an animated episode. But they were representing that sort of, you know, interesting facet as well. And then they went down that whole storyline of like, well, now Chaz starts to date. And then you have even like Grandpa is a widower at one point as well. So they're like experimenting around, too, with different types of familial structure so granted you know is it going the full extra mile to the point that we are today with diversity obviously not but there are steps of progress in this show which again given it was one of the first nickelodeon shows out there it, it's it's really interesting to look back on yeah they definitely i mean it, like you said nowadays this wouldn't be enough but being how old this how old this uh show is it is kind of surprising and i want to say because Susie is one of like five children as well um mm -hmm. and i think i saw something too where like they were one of the first shows to show like an animation like a mother breastfeeding where it was like phil and lil being breastfed on television like again that's not something we even see a lot now um so it is kind of interesting how back then there was like steps being made, but there is something that did happen in this episode apparently where um, the Boris and Minka got, uh, which are the grandparents, uh, Tommy's grandparents, attracted controversy when the Anti-Defamation League, um, they charged that the two characters resembled anti-Semitic drawings that were featured in 1930s Nazi newspaper. So it's not without controversy. Um, but that happened. <laughs> right. So I, um, looked into this and I think that it's, you know, I think it's, it's, in my opinion, it's less anti-Semitic and more so stereotypical of, right. um, okay. of like what you would think, um, of a Russian Jew would be. Um, I'm not going to lie, like the grandfather kind of did remind me of my grandpa a little. Um, and I'm 
a Russian Jew. Um, this, so this show was created by, as previously mentioned, Arlene Klasky and Gabor Kuspo. And it's basically, and they're um, a writing team, but they're also a married couple. And Klasky is Jewish and her husband was not. So mm-hmm. they kind of based Dee Dee and Stu um, as their family. Like they they got inspiration from that. And she wanted, Klasky wanted to, you know, show that dynamic a little bit. So it's the creators are Jewish. The writers of this episode, um, at least one of the three writers was Jewish. And a lot of the voice actors are Jewish. So the um the the man that uh did Boris's voice and I'm pretty sure the woman that did Minka's voice, they were both Jewish. So it's uh, um so there was a lot of Jewish representation. I think that um this controversy controversy did uh, hesitate them making more Jewish content, but um the the real issue was something that I came across afterwards was that there was a comic strip that they did where mm. they featured the mourners Kaddish. So Jess, um, I don't know if you know this, but there, whenever you go to synagogue, um, there is a mourners Kaddish. So it's a it's a prayer that you're remembering remembering uh, lost loved ones and this comic strip uh, basically featured this with grandpa boris once again and this was after the controversy with the hanukkah episode that they're saying that they were um you know anti-semitic and it's once again it's not anti-semitic but it is like cultural appropriation and it is it's just not like it's just not proper it's like a very like it's a holy prayer and like they it shouldn't be in a comic strip and it shouldn't be like it's especially that heavy of a prayer should not be featured like that and i think that that was the even more um upsetting uh thing that surrounding grandpa boris and the most unfortunate thing of it is that these two incidences got so you know you know really put like a a poor taste in what they were doing so much so that they stopped featuring grandpa boris and they stopped making mm-hmm. content mm-hmm. that featured you know judaism because they didn't want to mess up again i think that that is just like an unfortunate circumstance that happened because of these two incidences um but you know if people were negatively affected by it or offended by it then i i understand yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I would not even say that the the looks were really uh, a thing. You know, the characters of Boris and Minka, I think compared to the other set of grandparents, which is Grandpa Lou, were, I think they're kind of stereotypical. And, and like Sarah's saying, I think that there are, are benefits to that, because if it comes from a loving place, as it seems to be with Classy Supo, like that is... That is fine, but I can imagine from the outset, if you're like, oh, all Jewish people talk like this, they throw Yiddish words in even. Uh, you know, I think when we've seen them in appearances before, it, it is a little, for lack of a better term, cartoony. So I could understand if there was some pushback from the outside of like, you know, you have the, these pretty zany characters, but like Boris and Minka seem like they're quite literally from an entirely different country. I think now that we have sort of, sort of formally embraced more like the international aspects of judaism they don't they don't stick out as much but i certainly remember at the time 
Because again, these are characters with accents. And this was a very American show as much as we're sort of prodding the diversity. This this took place in like suburban America, uh, as suburban as Rugrats can be. Uh, and even, you know, <laughs> at least though they were able to at the moment get some some fun Judaism references in here. I don't know if you noticed this. And obviously this went over all of our heads at the time. But I know that in looking back on this episode, there was a really fun blinking you miss it gag when the the opening minutes when they're in uh when they're when they're doing their the, the first part of the story of hanukkah when lil greets uh philistine which is a great joke there is a, a stand in the background that has a uh, word in hebrew printed above it uh and it's actually the hebrew for moil which are the the people who obviously snip snip during brisses and there's a sign hanging off the stand that says cut rate and it's oh like, my oh, gosh, no That's kidding. an incredible joke, and I love it. And this is typical 90s Nickelodeon, right? This is like all the, the Rocco's Modern Life stuff that like yeah, somehow yeah. got past the censors. But yeah, that's that's definitely one of those things where that's probably been one of the little nuggets of joy that I've taken in so much from my adulthood re-watching these shows, because I have been um, showing them to my son again, you know, and just having an excuse to, to go back to the 90s. is like looking at these things that you had no notice of whatsoever mm-hmm. when you were in the single digits. But now that you are far from that, it, it, you know, it really reverberates. Yeah. I think that we're discovering a lot of that here. So um, we cover Boy Meets World weekly and there's always like little tidbits. Casper was like an enlightening experience. For- I mean, Casper is super, super ooky. If you like look at it from an adult lens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which we never saw. Be- <laughs> like, I never thought of. You're like, oh, here's before. cute little Devin Sawa. Like, oh, it has a cute on Christina Ricci. It's fine. And then, like, oh wait, he wants to keep her. This is this yeah. is yeah. getting on. It's creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but it, luckily, there's less creepiness in this, and just good little tidbits that um, you catch throughout, which I appreciate uh, absolutely. Yeah, and even someone who's I'm not Jewish, but I did pick up like obviously I know the Maccabees, so like a Maccabees got to do what a Maccabees got to do. I loved the stuff like that that was thrown in. I thought it was very cute, and it's I found that again someone who's not Jewish doesn't. I know obviously I know the very basic story of Hanukkah. Um, not vi- well versed in it, but even I could learn something from this episode of Rugrats. So it's nice to kind of think that like little Catholic kids or Baptist kids or kids that aren't Jewish could learn about Hanukkah from just a television show and, and also just have fun at the same time. And I know this is not like an educational program by any means, um, but it was a fun episode to watch, uh, to watch back on. Yeah. I mean, there was still goofiness, right? There was everything with like Stu and like the freak ass float that he was, (laughs) that he was driving around, but like there was some pretty serious stuff specifically when they were telling the story of Hanukkah or to your point, Jess, I do feel like when they sometimes like sat down, especially in that first third, when they're like, this is what a menorah is. This is what, you know, the, the gelt is like, they did it through the lens of the baby. So they tried to make it like lighter, but it did have a, a little bit of a significant shift more so than the Passover episode, which I really uh, like punched more jokes into a lot of this, the retelling of the Passover story, whereas this was more separated, but I wasn't too mad about it. Also, another fun little like uh, Jewish thing. I don't know just how, how up you are with like the idea of 
dreidel and specifically the the four symbols around the dreidel but there's stuff like when the guy in the dreidel ca- uh costume falls gimel which is the symbol that usually means you take the whole pot and playing dreidel landed up and so that's when that guy said like gimel i win and he took the donuts that's oh, why i was wondering what that was about yeah. i had yeah. no clue <laughs> gimel gimel is like give me it all so yeah and then there was another great joke when yeah. the dreidel guy walks out of the bathroom and tells angelica i broke a shin because of you he wasn't talking about the body part. Shin is another one of those symbols around the dreidel. Oh. Yeah, Shin is another Jewish letter, which I, I, you know, it was funny, Mike, because I was watching it and I obviously you and I got the joke right away and it didn't occur to me until my second rewatch where I was like, wait, Jessica probably is not going to get this joke. No, so. I just thought the old man was like super excited that there were free donuts. Like I didn't, I did not <laughs> understand what was going on and I didn't really catch up. I mean, there was a lot of Yiddish I didn't necessarily understand. Mm-hmm. Obviously context helps, right? I don't know. What did they call the children? It was like kid. The, the Kindle. Kindle. I, I figured out what that was with context clues, obviously, mm-hmm. but certain things I was like, I don't know what they're saying, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Um, Again, yeah, the latkes too, like, like you were saying the, like the teachable moments, like to mm-hmm. me, it was very like, oh, what's a latka? Oh, well, it's a potato pancake that we right. make because, you know, <laughs> did you, did you guys ever make like latkes? Obviously, Sarah, I think given your, your background, I can imagine that wasn't the case, but Jess, did you ever make like latkes in grade school? Uh, no, I, well, I think I, yes. I do think we made them as like a, a Hanukkah thing, like around, you know, because you always did like the Christmas crafts. And I'm pretty sure we mm-hmm. made latkes, but I, I, my mom has made latkes as well. We used to eat them with applesauce on top. Which yeah, I don't know. That, I think that's a common that, thing. That is a very common thing. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. sort of is like, I guess, the offset of like the vegetarian version of pork chops and applesauce. But yeah, mm-hmm. latkes are, latkes are, are freaking incredible. Uh, I don't know what so. Angelica's problem is because they are delicious. Yeah, why but, would you? I would rather a laka than a regular pancake. She's crazy. Well, I think Angelica, I think the noted thing about her character, right, is like she has a sweet tooth. Like she's always craving cookies. So I guess if she expects like sweet syrup topped chocolate chip pancakes, if she's getting yeah. a topedo pancake, then like. Plus, I don't know. I don't think as as a kid, you know, I don't think you would be really into like vegetables. You know, maybe like fries would be the the well, most go in terms of eating basically potatoes. Basically, a fry. It is. It's, it's like a hash brown. Yeah. It's like it is basically like a hash brown. Yeah. I liked the joke of that the miracle of Hanukkah is that they've been eating latkes for 2,000 years and clogging arteries <laughs> the whole time, and they haven't gotten rid of us yet. I think that was probably my favorite joke of the episode. Yeah, that was that was good. The uh Boris had some had some funny moments, I thought. I really appreciated his uh his rivalry with Shlomo. <laughs> oh my god, Shlomo. Yeah, well Shlomo, talking about things getting dark, not in a Casper way, but like the Shlomo Boris stuff at the end, when Shlomo's like, uh, oh, you know, I was never blessed to have children. I was like, is this dude like sterile? What the <laughs> where did this come from? Is Shlomo infertile? Why did they yeah. drop this in the middle of the Hanukkah special? Yeah, yeah. So Shlomo and Boris have this whole battle. They are extreme frenemies all the way back from the olden days in Russia. And Boris thinks that Shlomo always brags about his business. And Shlomo thinks that Boris does all he does is brag about his family. And turns out that the only reason that Shlomo talks about his fancy business so much is because his poor um, deceased wife and him never were able to have kids. And then Boris feels like a real shit about it, to be honest with you. The funny part is to me when like Angelica comes in with the mini television and of course it breaks and she's like, 
bawling, having like a tantrum. And like Shlomo's just like, I don't know what to do with yeah. like these kids. And he's like, when Boris walks in, he's like angelical, like under his arm. And she's just like flailing. <laughs> like, look at the scene. Yeah, it's like handling her like a sack of potatoes on the. God damn it. I almost called it potatoes. <laughs> see? You see? Imagine yeah, being like exactly. four years old and watching the, the show. The Shlomo stuff is also really interesting too because like it is so. It's so low stakes, again, when you're considering it from our contact rather than at the time. Because, like, we've all, I'm sure, had our involvements in the arts. And this is, like, a Jewish community center play <laughs> about Hanukkah. And for it to, like, make the front page. And Shlomo had to play the king. Like, I love that point when it cuts to that one scene of the two of them just, like, really breaking the script and arguing. And, like, the, the two Greek guards are just, like, asleep or just, like, completely doing something. I was like, it's very clear that, like, this meant nothing to any of them except these two guys who are, you know, yeah. going through the little pissing contest here. I mean, even the rabbi just gives up at the end. I mean, he was really into it first. He was trying to get everybody in line, but, you know, it, he just, at the end of it, he was just like, I just can't anymore. Um, Stu comes in with his giant menorah, like, float, <laughs> and it's just a disaster. That thing, did you, okay, so did you guys take notice of all of the, like, uh, like all the ornamentation on that thing we have like dancing men yeah so the dancing men were the one that i really noticed because they're doing like yes. the moscow dance yeah they have they have a spinning star of david with like tassels um they have the dreidels um, like spinning dreidels on it right spinning dreidels. yeah and they have the 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 candles in the menorah are going up and down and like down. they're sort of like a merry-go-round yeah, I mean, this, I mean, we see Tommy's dad making some chaotic, like, inventions throughout the entire series, but um, do you think that this was as, Dee says that she hopes it wasn't inappropriate. Uh, do you, did you find this inappropriate for the Jewish Community Center's Hanukkah play? <laughs> I mean, I'm not Jewish, so I don't know, was any of it offensive? I think it was just, like, extra, like, very, very extra. extra it was so it like, was very extra i because i don't think it was done out of any malice i think this no. is like this is Stu pickles like wanting to really impress and like swing himself around in a manner of speaking uncut probably uh yeah. being like hey <laughs> look what i can do like you give me a task i'm gonna jump over that bar and of course in true Stu fashion things go wrong i mean Stu pickles is i think probably the biggest character that i have approached differently in watching rugrats as an adult than as a kid because as a kid it's obviously like you know, it's like the whole chitty chitty bang bang thing, right? Like, oh, if only my papa could be an inventor. Like, he'd make so many cool things. And he looks yeah. like, like, my God, Stu is like kind of such a dangerous loser almost. And that like <laughs> he's, he's, he's like a monkey handling a chainsaw and that he creates some really cool stuff. But he is also just like, it almost always goes wrong. Uh, and he is somehow able to like maintain some sort of income in this single un income household while doing all this. He set the basement on fire and uh, nobody bats an eye. They're like, oh yeah, he set the basement on fire again. Like no biggie. Like how they have like a prescription for uh, fire extinguishers that come monthly. Like, um, so it's chaos <laughs> down there. And yeah, like has he ever sold any of his inventions? I remember Listen, the reptar wagon. Dolls. Well, the oh. reptile wagon, the kids also the movie. to get away in to run away from home and get right, themselves lost. Right, but it saved them too. 
<laughs> yeah, so an undidded sandwich. <laughs> Listen, there's there's no one more OTT than Stu. He goes he goes to all the way to the top, man. He like yeah, he is ready to go. Stu is really like if Taco from the league like became a dad, where like oh all of God. his like worst whims just like <laughs> became a reality. He's like, sure, I'll do it. I'll go down in the basement and. God, God help Dee Dee. She's probably one of the most like patient spouses I can remember from animation in quite some time for being like, yep, Stu blew up the basement again. Let's keep making latkes. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like one of the things I never noticed as a child, it's like, why are the Pickles family always in charge of all these children? Like where yeah. I know we do see like a Phil and Lil's parents sometimes, but like, why are they all going to this? Like, like you said, a senior community Jewish centers, like play they're taking what, how many kids, five children yeah. with them. <laughs> well, I think that, uh, so Chaz was in this one. So at least like he, right. he helped take part. I wonder if it's because Stu does work from home. That like they're like, oh yeah, that means that both parents will be in the house. That means that they can keep track of the kids. And they for some reason, despite like, you know, insanity is what doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. They keep yeah. thinking that like they'll keep them in that playpen and they'll be totally fine the entire day, yet it never ends up being the case. <laughs> they're probably like, Well, this is a very secure place. Both parents are keeping their eyes on the children at all times, plus they have a very secure constrainment around them to keep them, you know, contained no matter what's happening. Yes, plus Grandpa Lou, who is very helpful in childcare as well. I'm, I'm minimal Grandpa Lou in this episode, which is surprising. I feel like he was like one of the big characters in the yeah. show generally. Yeah. Um, so one of the staples of uh, Rugrats is all the misunderstandings, not only the mispronunciation of <laughs> words, but the misunderstandings. So the bulk of this episode discusses how... Um, they have to, the babies have to protect Grandpa Boris from the meaning of Hanukkah. Uh, <laughs> not the meaning of Hanukkah as, uh, the, as they misinterpreted. So um, they are trying to, their plan is to make Shlomo or the meaning of Hanukkah uh, fall asleep. They, they, they need to put him down for a nap. <laughs> And this I is love all of these under misunderstandings in these shows because it's just so silly. And like all I picture now as an adult is like, okay, because while we're watching them, they're like charging the stage, you know, ready yeah. for battle. And then in reality, I'm just picturing these like two-year-old babies like screaming and bum rushing a senior citizen's play. <laughs> how how old is your son Asher now? So my son, Asher, he's going to be a year and nine months, actually, in three days from when we're recording this. So he is like now closer to Chucky age than I think yes. Tommy, because I think Tommy and Phil and Lil are one and Chucky yes. is two. So he's getting more and he is like walking around. He's not like Tommy where he's like tottering around. Uh, I guess he's more so like Phil and Lil in that he is like able to he's like able to walk around and be like his own person but he's not independent enough like chucky where he's like for example when they're in the synagogue he's like holding on to the side of the stroller they're not trusting he'll just like walk away and and you know go and get involved in the lock eating contest how many um jewish community center plays has he ruined recently <laughs> oh 15 at least <laughs> every single one i don't know why i keep bringing him but he keeps getting up there they have to stop running the headline baby ruins play because it's happened so many times. People think that their newspapers are out of date. <laughs> well, the funny thing to me is that like 
so they're all the kids are sitting in, you know, kind of on the floor in front of Dee Dee and and uh and what is it, Minka? All uh, right, Minka, yeah, Minka. And but like, do they not notice Angelica's gone? Because she's not even in the nursery until later when she gets put there well, by the dreidel guy. That's the main thing about this, and that's the one thing that like Angela <laughs> and I've really taken away as well. Besides Stu being the dangerous loser, is just like in general, <laughs> these parents are like lovingly negligent like it's not like they're like ah, i don't care about these kids let me get back to my thing they just get like very easily distracted and they make a yes. lot of assumptions and as a result yeah. the kids are able to get into mischief yeah they they are very they're too focused on this play um they're probably more focused on this play than anybody else in the entire galaxy right but- it's, it's shlomo and it's boris and then like the direct adults within their sphere of influence are the most interested in this play and literally nobody else <laughs> nobody else so the babies um you know you know who knows where angelica is she's just trying to find the nearest television so that she can watch a very Cynthia holiday extravaganza, which actually does look very good. And I truthfully, I, I would probably prefer to watch that as well. Um, but they uh, all wind up in the nursery eventually. And uh, Angelica, the con woman, you know, tries to break out of the nursery so that they can steal the poor janitor's television. Yeah, it's such Which. a tiny little TV. Like, it's so funny to me that she's like, she's so obsessed with this. And I, then I thought like, well, there wasn't like DVR. So it's not like she was yeah. going to be able you, you watch it or you miss it. And that's it. So I kind of, I kind of, I guess, sympathize with Angelica in that yeah, way. Yeah, it's not even her holiday. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is, yeah, exactly. Is that she, so Grandpa Lou's side, aka like Stu and his brother Drew's side are not Jewish. It's Dee Dee's family. So like, I don't know mm-hmm. why Angelica's here in the first place. I'm assuming like they had other stuff to do. It's a plot uh, so device. She, yeah. So she has no, <laughs> she has no interest. She has no, no, you know, head in this fight here. No. She wants to go mm-hmm. off and enjoy her, her very Cynthia Christmas. And I think this also is a, a hallmark of like the nineties as well. Right, because I feel like, again, today, like, you'd be able to just, like, find someone's phone and and stream a very Cynthia Christmas. This is, like, I have to seek out the television because, yeah, to your point, I might be able to record it, but, like, otherwise I can't watch it live. Right, and I feel like nowadays if you're Angelica's parents or I guess you're her aunt or uncle, you literally slap the iPad in front of her, put the headphones in, and let her watch it while you're at the play. Like, it's probably what happens in a... (laughs) 2020 yeah, exactly. and yeah in 2020 version minka's not like knitting like everyone's just on their phone during this including <laughs> the people on the stage except for i know that we said nobody cares but there's one guy who cares people it is lowell arnstein playing the the village kvetch and then takes oh. over as the king oh that guy yeah yeah he he thought that he could become the king himself but no he was just subbing in for mr king what what a classic mistake but um he would what he he got to he got to be the star of the show eventually yeah i, I think my one of the lines that i've walk. always taken away from this episode ever since it aired was to be or maccabee that's another one of like a maccabee's gotta do that a maccabee's gotta do that like has right. been in like gray matter since that episode aired yeah. Right. I yeah. have a question too, like, because we have Boris who's upset that Shlomo gets to play the king. But like in the story of the Maccabee, don't you want to be Judah? No, well, I, I think... think Go ahead, Sarah. I think the issue is that he's happy to be Judah the Maccabee, but he's unhappy that the newspaper decided to cover Shlomo and um 
interview him and feature him in the newspaper because he thought that he was going to be the star of the show as Judah the Maccabee. He got his picture taken. He got interviewed as well. And they chose the Shlomo story over him. Yeah, I think it was a matter of like Boris feels that Shlomo constantly wants to one up him. And in this case, I don't think that was Shlomo's fault. I don't think he's like slipping a 20 in the pocket. <laughs> like, hey, do you want to hey, do an interview with me instead? Uh, but I think that, you know, he, he used it as an example of and he, I think he also mentioned like, oh, Shlomo only wanted to be the king so that he could poke me with his sword again and again. So it's clear that like yeah. he's just trying to attribute a lot of blame to this guy the who knows maybe shlomo did you know take it because he did poke him with his sword a bunch of times so it's clearly there was some aggression there very forcefully yeah but then, but then boris did cut down his pants yeah and he was wearing those <laughs> classic heart underpants i i wonder if like after you hit 40 if they just mail you a pair of those underpants so i i think i had a pair once upon a time <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I feel like I had, I don't know if I like had it as a joke, but I do feel like I, I like circulated a pair in there before I moved away from boxers. Um, so I just, maybe it was just from like a pure stereotype thing. of like, Oh, I want, you know, somebody yeah. to see like I'm a cartoon character. Now that's a classic Hanukkah gift. Underwear. Yeah. yeah well, underwear. Yeah, of course. Underwear. You get so, underwear in Hanukkah. Well, so the, oh, yeah. so the thing about Hanukkah is that eight days of presents, right? Right. But eight days of presence. Uh, so it's really like usually one or two days are reserved for like big gifts, which you might usually get on a Christmas. So you kind of have to now supplement the other six days with like, oh, crap. Uh, here's a coloring book. Here's a pair of socks. <laughs> so yeah. this like, is like the last day is yeah. usually the best day. It depends. It de- I mean, it depends, it depends on like what you're what you feel like. Who knows? Maybe if you're having your family on like a certain day. Uh, okay. for social reasons like that could be a big one as well but yeah essentially like i think that, like you could like so- i would say like stocking stuffers or like mm-hmm. things you would buy for like a yankee swap at an office party those are sort of yeah. the things leading up to the big presents at hanukkah interesting right, exactly. so okay there's, there's definitely different um hanukkah traditions so i do have a question from our friend michelle and she asked if uh what were our some of our favorite hanukkah traditions so um uh, I can go first while Mike thinks. So mm-hmm. two Hanukkahs stuck out in particular that, you know, one Hanukkah, my mom built a giant dreidel and it was hollow and inside were the presents. And I got to, I think I got to like pick a number out of a hat and then mm-hmm. whatever present um, I picked, I got to like open the corresponding present. So that was memorable. So, and then another Hanukkah, they, um, my mom did like a scavenger hunt thing. So she Ooh, like hit the present oh, that's nice. and you kind that's of fun. like. So they're basically hiding. saying like, hey, we got, you know what? The Afikoman from Passover yeah. really needs yeah. to be brought over into the winter as well. Exactly, which was a, a real winner in my house. So um, so those are two traditions to spice up your Hanukkah um, that my family did. And so so with the numbers, Jess, like some t- like it really depended on what the number said. Like so one day I could have gotten a bigger gift and the next day I could have gotten like Hanukkah guilt. Like who knows? It really the, the numbers told me, yeah. not my parents. See, for when I was growing up, like with Christmas, we were allowed to open one present on Christmas Eve. Mm. But like I didn't ever catch on that all my good gifts weren't gonna come out until like the next day. So like it uh. would always be like 
you know, like that, that's smaller gifts, like pajama pants. Or I don't know, something right. small. So it'd be like, it's like, hey, you get first dibs at the buffet, but like they haven't brought out any of the good stuff yet. It's all like right. salad and like little pickings. Right. Because Santa hadn't gotten there yet. So how could Santa bring the good gifts on Christmas Eve? And my parents used labels on like uh, typed labels on the presents from Santa so that I wouldn't like recognize their. Thing. From what? From like a label maker? They uh no so it was like a like if you used a printer and you just had those paper sheets oh of labels, gotcha 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 and they would print like to Jessica from Santa so that I would never catch on because all my friends obviously could catch on it was their parents handwriting yeah that makes sense <laughs> I I don't have many Hanukkah traditions admittedly because again I think of the major Jewish holidays my family celebrated uh you know we were sort of like this weird family where like we culturally celebrated christmas uh but we we had a lot of association with hanukkah because my aunt uh actually still does work for a synagogue so like we would do some stuff when we were kids and and she was really more uh more like frequent in that community but what i would say is like one thing that always has stuck with me is like give me you know natural candles in your menorah over electric lights any day i know that it is a much greater fire hazard but there is something like really pretty about you know just like the 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 glow of the candles and there is something that like really does take you back obviously to like uh to to different days or days gone by when obviously you're not in a temple staring at a giant menorah helping hoping that uh things will happen you know eight days in a row but i i do really just like the all natural light that comes from it rather than like the kind of chintzy electric bulbs you'll find sitting in the window as you walk by on the street oh yeah 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 at the chinese food restaurants or yeah exactly like at the dry cleaners yeah i know that menorah i've seen it before yeah we do natural <laughs> we do natural candles we have this it's pretty uh, it's modern it's like um my our menorah or our hanukkah if you want to get technical but um it's just like a slab of metal wait uh, metal Woo! a slab of marble with like some a wood base so i got it from cb2 mm-hmm. so we brought a uh, hanukkah into the uh, 21st century at our household but with wax candles i went to bed bath beyond and i got this year's candles and i'm excited we're all set up so do you like yeah. instead because i know they said that you could use um like you can use candles or you could also use the what is it called the liquid Oil? oh my gosh Oil? Yes. Yes. I've never used oil. Okay, for... they had it. Oh, in yeah, the I, thing. I, 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 I don't think I want to light like a small vat of oil. I wouldn't either. But that's that's unless my question. I, unless I really don't care about my eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my question. Like you don't leave them lit. You just it's like a symbolic. Like you light it and then you do two candles and then you do three candles. Okay. You okay? Number one, you can't blow it out. That's like some like yeah. voodoo, like scary shit. Like if so, you, you leave that, it for eight days. No, they're candles, so they they burn down. They're um so like Hanukkah candles are like meant to burn for like two hours. Oh, I mm-hmm. didn't know that. Okay, yeah, yeah you're not so, you're not gonna be like, all right, well, I'm gonna hit the dusty tray of candles, do your thing. <laughs> that's what I was concerned. But there has I, been occasions where we light it like later because you're supposed to light it at sundown. So there's been right. occasions where like Drew gets home and it's like eight thirty, and we like don't. Um, we light it like at nine, but like you can't, you have to stay up and until it burns out because you can't blow it out. Like you just like, you really cannot do that. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I will say this is not like a Hanukkah tradition necessarily, but every year my acapella group did a, a winter concert and we did like 
traditional fun songs at the end of our usual pop goodness. And we always sang Rocking Around the Christmas Tree, and we always sang Hine Matov, uh, which was like, it was always fun to have our little like white waspy kids in my acapella group. And then like a couple of us Jews being like, all right, this is what we're here for. Let's get into it. Everybody try to pronounce yeah. Hebrew. <laughs> and you, and then you do your mixer with the women of Zion senior choir. Oh my God. I, yeah. I love that. They, I mean, listen, we had some real good times with the women of Zion choir. I'll tell you. <laughs> Lots it gets of, really lots, wild, doesn't it? Lots of shoes knocking that night uh, in more ways. Than <laughs> I do believe actually. So the women's Zion, women of women's of Zion Choir is it's it is a group, and they that was actually them performing in the episode. Oh really? Too. Yeah. Oh, oh I wow. didn't know that. Oh my gosh, I'm learning so much today. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they got a bunch of random old ladies like come sing. <laughs> come here, come here, come sing for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just collecting them on the uh, the 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 lot at like warner brothers or yeah exactly they're going studios. to like bingo halls and they're like hey i need five people to be like on oh, for each night come on we'll pay we'll pay you scale <laughs> i mean have you ever been to midnight bingo it's actually a really good time so is midnight bingo like midnight bowling it, yeah it's literally at midnight and it lasts until like 3 a.m. So you're exhausted by the end of it. And there's a whole cast of characters. There are the old ladies with their like tchotchkes. But then there's like 22 year olds that are like drunk there. So like you mm -hmm. don't know what you'll find at the midnight bingo. But, <laughs> um, you know, there's anybody and everybody. And you win real money. I won like 100 buckaroos once. I've never done midnight bingo. I wish I could. I mean, now I'm not doing anything anyway, but like I've always wanted to go do bingo like with actual adults. I don't care how like old ladyish it is. It always sounded like a really fun time to me. Um, yeah, I, I, did, I, did bowling, I did bingo in college uh, before, you know, I did my mixer with the women's Zion group. And I remember <laughs> I did one really bad thing one time where like for some reason this this like this girl and this boy kept winning. And then I eventually got the whole bingo hall to like start calling them witches and like just start screaming <laughs> witch at them every time they won. We're just like witch, witch, and they're like getting. Oh my god! Oh no! Oh no! Oh my god! Was it no, old? Wait, did, was it old people or was it no, just? No, it, like... it was all college students. Oh, so, oh, you know, oh okay. Like, right. Yeah, luckily I'm not like telling them to yell witch at an octogenarian, being like, I didn't mean to do this, and just like. <laughs> screaming burn the witch at them and then they never went back to bingo again yeah exactly I was, they're like oh is that young man gonna be there and then no siree <laughs> nope 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 um so we have to one thing we have to do before we get into any feedback is sarah you need to tell the story of how we discovered that mike bloom would be the uh perfect guest for this podcast oh, i'm actually very intrigued by this okay so um so I, of course, you're the great Mike Bloom. I have, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to be shy. And I'm going to say, like, you know, I was a little nervous, like, having you on today. You've been, like, so great. I've been listening to you forever. So I was saying, like, how can I get Bloom on? How can I get Bloom on? <laughs> um, like, a real creep that I am. So no, no, I, it's all right. It's a very, like, Casper-like thing to do. <laughs> Can I so, keep you? <laughs> so obviously I was thinking also like, okay, so I want to have some like, you know, Passover content that Shit 90 Shows taught me, Hanukkah content. So I automatically thought about Rugrats um, and mm. I typed in a Bloom, a Mike Bloom type 
Rugrats, and I came across um, some history. Oh on no! Twitter. <laughs> oh no! Of, uh, <laughs> you speaking about Rugrats uh, more than once, actually. Oh, and, one and, more than once. <laughs> and that's how I knew that you were a Rugrats fan. Oh god! Please, Do you have the please, tweets pulled up? Because I yeah, have please, them. Please delight me, Sarah. Please bring me back to. I'm going to assume this is this like 2013. Am I? Uh, it's uh, it's a long time ago. Yes. Um, okay. So. I will. Your first tweet about Rugrats is um, <laughs> fourth uh, April thirteenth, two thousand and thirteen. Okay. <laughs> um. Actually, no. You had one earlier, but we'll start. I had with one earlier. One. <laughs> Mike Bloom said. I joined Twitter like, all right. I gotta get on my prime. takes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh mike bloom says gotta love an evening session with imdb did you know that dom de lewis directed an episode of rugrats oh dom de lewis i didn't know that <laughs> <laughs> you, did, you, did, you did at that time i, I forgot about it was that what 2013 you said yep yep <sighs> um okay so this is um a response to somebody else you on march 1st 2013 <laughs> I think using a term grown-ups takes like three years off your age, unless you've been marathoning Rugrats. Um, okay. All right. I think, yeah. no, that, thing make, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The term grown-ups is really, maybe it's like my whole like anti-adult baby uh, stance. Mm. But using like the terms grown-ups mm -hmm. is so strange to me, yes. uh, especially if you are in the double digits of age to be like, oh, I don't want to be a grown-up. Yeah. Like, I don't want adults I have, today. Dude. I had an 18-year-old call me a grown-up a couple months ago, and I wanted to literally bury myself and die. It was horrible. <laughs> this is what grown-ups do. <laughs> um, next one. April 23rd, 2016. Oh, so next one! <laughs> There's a lot of okay. This is the last one. I won't, I won't hurt you. This is sure. this the Celebrating Passover the way two 90s kids only know how. Brisket and Rugrats Passover episode. And I think that... Um, you tagged your wife in it. I don't know. Yeah. Were you married back that, in 2016? Yeah. So we had, uh, we had, that was actually our first year of marriage. So yeah, I, I do believe, uh, I think that the Nickelodeon catalog had showed up on Hulu at some point. And I think for some reason that night, uh, we were as like poor New Yorkers we were like, yeah, you know what? We should like watch the, the Rugrats Passover special. Yeah. I remember that being a very fun episode and mm -hmm. my wife made some brisket for the occasion. And so, yeah, it was a very, Jewish 90 kids night and now speaking of it coming full circle it really does come back to here god I had no idea how Rugrats focused my my content has been at least I think that's three <laughs> tweets more than like literally 95% of the population <laughs> yeah and there's there's a, a, a few more but we'll spare you today a few more <laughs> So what? yeah, you're you're a, the biggest fan of Rugrats, maybe. Apparently, I didn't even realize this. Also, I wow, I, I forgot that Tom Delaney's directed an episode of Rugrats. Well, now you relearned that. You can. Think yeah, I think that's. Them. I mean, listen, I think there could have been a lot worse things when you said, like, I'm going to go back into your tweet history. Like, that's, <laughs> I'm sweating bullets. Luckily, it just came back to, like, well, I guess the thing you could hold against me is how much I love Rugrats from cradle to grave. Yeah. Yes, it was just yes. so funny that she shared those tweets with me, and I was like, now we got to get him on. Because that's this is my Rugrats great. guy. <laughs> yeah, that's the guy. That's like entrapment. Like, all right, we're going to read some <laughs> tweets back to you. Yeah, now, now you're... <laughs> 
<laughs> now you're gonna block me from Twitter. For- <laughs> exactly. Like my God, she's onto me. She knows my that big Rugrats is in my pocket. Oh, Rugrats oh lobby. Gosh. Oh no! Oh so no! Good. Um, but yeah, actually, speaking of uh, watching Rugrats now, did you hear they're doing a reboot of Rugrats that's coming out in 2021? So oh no! We'll have to um, we'll have to tweet this uh, this picture. But they have like a little. I'm gonna put it so you could see it, Mike, in the chat mm-hmm. here. They had an image that came out that was like next gen Nick uh, on the cover of Variety. And it shows like they're very like 3D. Like they're not at all what you you're used to seeing from Rugrats. Oh yeah, they're, look at that. They're creepy looking. Chucky's like hair it. is is a lot. I really don't like it. I don't trust it. I don't like them. Yeah, this this <laughs> seems like that thing. Like I don't know if this is real or if this is like they. They like had deviant artists like say like oh this would this is our you know our special version of Nickelodeon characters and then they decided to say like all right we're just gonna sort of like repurpose these and, and put them into our own artwork here and they're babies again like what else do we need from this age group like I mean I don't know I don't yeah I don't know I'll admit as someone who watched a bit of All Grown Up it was really weird to see them as teenagers like really <laughs> like listen I don't wanna I don't wanna think about like the Rugrats like hormones. You know, See, like I, I had the opposite reaction because it came out in 2003. So I was 12 and I was thrilled when I heard Rugrats was coming back. And let me tell you, that theme song was a bop. I had the, it in my head all day. A bop. All, all day I had it in my head. I actually pulled a clip of it because I love it so much that I like needed to play it. Hold on. I'm going to pull up right now. Oh my God. Here we go. Ooh. <laughs> so good. Every birthday, my mom and dad would say, You're another year older, another year wiser, but I still go to school. That's going crazy on the drums. <laughs> oh, I had it in my head all day. Yeah, this is the part I remember. The, yeah, the, the all grown up part. That was what all was in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not my parents walk in on my birthday and say I'm a another year older. <laughs> but man, they were they were that band was like really getting into it. But I agree, like demon. incredible yeah. theme song, not so it like very incredibly weird in retrospect concept. So like yeah. if they have to do it now, I guess the question is because I've been watching like the Animaniacs reboot, which obviously brought them into the modern age. Would a modern day Rugrats take place in 2021? Mm, I think it would have to. Um, yeah what other shenanigans then you know oh no i accidentally like posted this tiktok video yeah they're um, exactly they're gonna be like oh no my mommy is is saying that she's afraid of baked news we've gotta stop her that making that souffle <laughs> like they're gonna do like are they gonna do really weird stupid things like that yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's gonna be modern day shenanigans and i don't know if i'm ready will i watch it of course i will because what else do i have going on yeah. in my life but um i i, I would have maybe liked to see them like age up like at least a year like i just don't know if i need to see like tommy's still at one years old yeah Did yeah you, and i'm um, just thinking of Stu's uh, inventions too like in the modern age <laughs> like what's he gonna be doing yeah now? exactly like i don't know what Stu's gonna be like oh i got these new phones actually speaking of like really creepy 
artwork. Did you ever hear about uh, Rugrats preschool days? Yes. Yes. I was, I saw that and I was like, Ooh, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. If you, if, so if you've seen images from it, so this was another spinoff besides all grown up that was initially made with like Angelica and Susie in preschool. But if you look at the art style behind it, it is absolutely mortifying like it is something that like will keep you awake at night like their eyes are so big the hair is so shiny (laughs) for some reason like they're they look so different and it's not i don't know why it's so different it's very creepy looking the cheshire cat yes like especially because one of the like images from like a youtube video has her smiling like that with like that that big wide grin yes yeah she she, i don't i I don't like those bangs too Ugh. Well, I think what what doesn't help is I think these kids have like pupils, and I feel like the Rugrats thing always they always had like dots for eyes, right? So like when you actually give yeah. them eye colors, it's very strange. That that happens with the Simpsons as well. Like when you give them other eye colors, it really sticks out in a very disquieting way. Yeah. Ooh, this is creepy. Yeah, this like is that. really like and this when is did this air. So I think this they aired like one episode in like 2003 and they're like, nope. And then they promptly. (laughs) This this seems like if like the the like South African version of the show that would be like, yeah, we don't we're not going to pay Nickelodeon. We're going to create our own thing called like uh, pick like pig pals. And it's going to be like using the same character models. Like that's what this seems like. Just close enough to the real McCoy, but Mm -hmm. very distinctly separate. Yeah. Like those offbeat little mermaid movies. I know exactly exactly. what you're talking about. Um, so Yikes. we do have some feedback, uh, some questions. Okay, get me away, get me away from the captain look at like the horror show that is that <laughs> image. Yeah, I, I, I really am trying to forget. Um, I feel like Angelica like lives in this, this version of Angelica lives in a sewer and like invites young children oh to like God. suck their souls out. <laughs> this is like almost like Coraline. Uh, Coraline ruined my life. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> Can that be your new Twitter handle? Is Cat Coraline ruined my life? Uh, <laughs> so I intense. am so afraid of Coraline as a thirty-one-year-old woman. <laughs> I think about it, and my blood turns cold. Wait, are you, like afraid of the character or the concept? All of it. All of it. I just the idea that like you can go into the button-eyed world and they're like sew buttons on your eyes. Yes, I don't like the sewing aspect of it. That oh my God, is I never watched this. Creepy to me, Jessica. I'm oh, not going to watch it now because no, this is terrifying sounding. It's cursed. Yeah, it's be lucky cursed. this didn't happen in the 90s or you'd be forced to watch it. Yeah. Core uh, 90s. Although I did see Cat Dog where a cat and a dog were literally attached to each other. Oh, yeah. Can we quickly, before we get into yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, we can talk quickly. about Cat Dog, biological yeah. ramifications um, of Cat Dog. Okay, so Cat Dog, half cat, half dog. How did right. this come about? Um, why was this a show? It's like, <laughs> it's not right. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it did feel like, to Jess's point, we're sort of getting to like the late '90s. That's when they sort of brought in like the more lol random stuff, like Cat Angry Dog Beavers. Angry Beavers. Yeah, they were. They were really into like Rocco's Modern Life started this, but I feel like and around that era, they were really into like weird animals. Mm-hmm. Um, so they decided to make Cat Dog. I do believe I'm not the expert on Cat Dog canon, but I do believe that like. There was a TV movie where they found their parents. They were adopted parents, and one was a frog, and one was like a snow what? monster. What the fuck? I'm not what? making this up. What in the what? world? Watch this. 
Sarah, we're watching it. We're covering it. No, it's <laughs> cursed. It's cursed. I'm just double checking. I'm doing some quick research about um, a Mike Bloom type cat dog. Oh, no. On <laughs> no, I did not have any. Uh, no, no, I had no cat dog trees because that this show was a little. This show was also like this started came, coming on when like I was reaching my own double digits. Like when right. I was like. 10, 11, 12. So, like, I was beginning to focus less on, like, I wasn't, I'm not sure what this show was, who the show was for. It was for, for me. Like, I watched it. <laughs> like, I know, well, I know Rugrats was, like, aimed for, like, a young group, whereas, like, Rocket Power was aimed for, like, more of the, like, late, you know, early age. I have no idea who the hell, Cat. like, someone who has very weird know. interests. Um, quickly, uh, July 2nd, 2014. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I see... Am I the only one who was extremely disappointed with the series finale of Cat Dog? Oh, I believe that was the one where he found out his parents were a frog. And then, and then but that's all you had to say was just you were extremely disappointed. It's a very disappointing. Like there was a mystery built up. Like you, Sarah came in here with a bunch of questions and they got barely any answers back. That is extremely yeah. disappointing from my perspective. Oh my gosh. Uh, that is. Um, <laughs> I think the answer to that question is yes. I was the only one. <laughs> frog and a snow monster who would have thought um, yeah i would have never predicted uh so <laughs> any other thoughts on cat dog before we no. move on i mean cat dog could be its own entire thing because they were like i don't know cat dog it was also like i think it also like i would say what you said about angelica and, and chucky to an extent of like making them very unlikable i almost felt mm -hmm. that way about cat cat was always like the oh yes stick in the mud whereas dog was like the very positive friendly happy dog uh so it, it was like it was never a very fun show to watch even though cat always ends yeah. up like probably getting his due in the end i feel like dog by consequence of being attached to cat always has to suffer despite like not being involved in it but you know mm -hmm. we can't all be loosey-goosey like dog because if everybody was like <laughs> dog in this world then nothing would get done we need cat to like pull ourselves together you know yeah yeah i also i also remember that they had a blue mouse in their house named Wilson. Winslow. oh will are you oh is this winslow his name is winslow he's like hey you can't dog like yes. it, had a, it had a really weird voice and he didn't even look like a mouse no, no, because no, he's blue. Yeah. Well, he yeah. has a weird nose. I feel well, like and and here's another one thing that are one thing that I do remember, a Dom DeLuise-esque little tidbit from Nickelodeon. <laughs> so there was a group of of tough dogs in the show that if I don't know if you remember called the Greasers. Uh and there was Cliff, uh, who was sort of like the big brute, and there was Lube, who was the dumb one. I cannot believe they named the character Lube. Lube. Yeah, his name was Lube. That's you gotta choice. get it in where you can, right? But there was uh, a, a, a one by the name of Shriek, who is like this little little poodle. Was like, hey, are you get doing get dog? Who had like the crush on dog, and that was voiced by Maria Bamford, who, if you don't know, is like a, a big comedian. Uh, oh who, so like that was one of those random voiceover roles. I, I never thought she did until I was uh, until she did her show on Netflix, and I looked into her her history. Turns out I need to rewatch Cat Dog now because a lot of that uh, I do not remember. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you need to. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we probably will get dragged into it sometime. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about ninety more nineties cartoons in the future. Yeah. Um, I mean, there. That's where. That's where it's at. They're like they're equal parts weird and yeah. like sometimes like very funny, but always interesting to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So goodness cat dog um 
Okay, so we talked about this a little bit, but both Matt Stewart and Sour Sarah Nor wants to know which characters did we like best and or identify with the most Ooh. out of Rugrats, not Cat Dog. Because <laughs> I'm all I'm a lube all the way. <laughs> I'm a lube lad. Oh, no. Hashtag lube lad. I don't even want to know what's in that hashtag. Don't search it. You know what? Uh, don't even don't look up my tweets regrets. with hashtag lube lad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. No. I, I agree with Sarah, though, because or I agree with uh, with Jess in that I think at the time I was very much into like Phil and Lil to the point where my my grandfather I actually had the exact opposite reaction from my grandparents perspective than you did, Sarah. And that, like, when we would visit my grandpa- my grandfather's house, like, we would have Rugrats on all the time. And he'd be like, oh, I guess you you like that show. And he was an artist. And he made, like, little wooden cutouts of, like, oh, Tommy Pickles ooh. for my sister and Phil so for cool. me. I don't remember if we still have them. Maybe they, they broke at some point because they're, like, two decades old. Um, But for me, it was always, like, Phil and Lil was sort of, like, while they were disgusting, they were sort of in the middle from, like, a uh, chaotic good versus lawful good spectrum they were very neutral good we're like tommy while really pursuing some brave stuff was like kind of out of control angelica was to quote myself uh, in a bingo hall a witch and chucky <laughs> was like we talked about before like the being the one that was preventing all these fun plots from happening most of the time so i sort of went with the middle ground and went with phil and lil who i felt like were good like all around players in that regard yeah yeah yeah, Lil was definitely my favorite as a kid. I also really liked Susie. I thought she was just like, she was just so nice and sweet to all the babies all the time. So I really appreciated yeah. her for that. She but- really is like a, a Mary Susie in that like she did so much, like she knew so much stuff. Like she really was an awesome character. And yeah. it also was like, I- I'm glad they brought her in for many reasons, not only for diversity's sake, but because mm-hmm. it was also like, hey, here's a kid Angelica's age who is not like The exact crappy. opposite. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, she Susie was, good, was always great. A good foil to Angelica. She, mm-hmm. you know, told the babies all the time, like everything that Angelica tells you is a lie. Like, don't worry about <laughs> Angelica. And thank goodness for Susie. She's one of my favorites as well. Um, once again, I go for uh the character that we're here for. If it was not for Tommy Pickles, would there even be Rugrats? So I will uh take Tommy in this uh in this fight. Sarah always likes the main characters. Like her favorite character in Harry Potter is Harry Potter. Is that not the hottest take you've ever heard? Very hot. I mean, it's also I would I think the hot take is that I wouldn't say like let's take out the Harry Potter at all. I think if your if your favorite character is usually the main character of a show, like that is usually a pretty hot take. For mm-hmm. one reason or another, people tend to like uh glom onto the more supporting characters for whatever reason in, in any yeah. type of piece of pop culture. Look, we're here for a reason. <laughs> if there was no Tommy, then there would be no Rugrats. If there's so no Harry the way, Potter, so is it appreciation or is it genuine like of the character? <laughs> I actually really do like Harry Potter a lot. Like, I think like I he is like truly my favorite character um, in Harry Potter. Tommy, <laughs> I appreciate him. He is bold, bolder than I ever was, braver than I ever am. Uh, Jessica stole my pick with Susie, so I had to come up with the second favorite. If we're going to be transparent for transparent. What are our, what are our thoughts about like sort of the cousin Olivers that they brought in on Rugrats? I'm saying even post Susie, right? Because we had so like Dill, Kimmy, Dill and Kimmy. I think are are the big two. I liked Kimmy a lot. Um, I thought I loved her boots. I loved her hair. I thought mm-hmm. she was a lot of fun because she was like 
she was a very fun character, a very weird, quirky character. And I appreciated that. I thought she was a good addition to the group. Mm-hmm. And she did bring something a little bit different. Yeah. Kimmy is Matt Stewart's favorite. So interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Dill was like, you know, he's like a little more offbeat than Tommy. He's definitely different. He's his own person, which I like. Um, whenever I think of Dill. And like their last name pickles, you know what? Um, what always stands out to me is that family reunion episode where he, the one kid is like, "Pickles, I'm hungry." Yeah, I'm yes, hungry. I'm hungry. That was, that's another Rugrats quote that really stuck with me. And when we were rewatching, I'm like, "When does that come in? Like, when did they meet that big hoss looking kid?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the family reunion episode. Does um, I think it's early? Isn't it early on? Uh, that is season two, episode eight. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Very early. Yeah. And uh, also season two has my other favorite episode, the Toy Palace episode, which is season yes. two, episode 14, I as I mentioned one. earlier, where they get stuck in the toy store because um, their parents accidentally bring home uh, stuffed animals. Yeah. And, and I and I do remember, unfortunately, shows tend to repeat sounds over and over again and they get stuck in your head. So the one thing I remember that was when it was the gorilla toy versus the reptar toy. And someone mm-hmm. was like, the Korogwan hungry, Korogwan eat versus a uh, halt. I am reptar. Halt. Oh, and they just yes. kept repeating it for like a minute straight and just will never escape your head. Much like Tommy and Chucky were unable to escape the toy store for some portion of time. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but they had a good time. That was a very memorable episode for me. Yeah, um, I would say I liked Kimmy. Jill's uh, kind of a little shit. Uh, he's boring and, he just babbles yeah and I, and I never understood the purpose of it like i actually think the rugrats movie like it, it i mean the rugrats movie genuinely made me cry uh i'm sure i probably tweeted that out somewhere because uh, <laughs> it does do with like some really emotional stuff but outside of that like the entire concept of the show is what if babies could talk i feel like by bringing in a baby who himself cannot like walk and talk like the other babies and communicate with them it's sort of like almost make makes the series step back two steps by being like oh yeah and, but dill can't do it so therefore they had to like drag dill around it just right. felt like almost like a hamper to a lot of stuff that they were doing yeah, yeah i agree i think he was kind of unnecessary we don't need everybody to have a sibling <laughs> so harsh i mean tommy's only one years old it's only like a one year age difference i know like... that's crazy to think about as well like damn Stu and Dee. yeah they're busy <laughs> What are you doing in that basement? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, Will uh, Averty has a Hanukkah-related question. Did you ever spin dreidels? And what are the prizes that you win with dreidels? Uh, you win nothing with dreidels. You win, like, literal, like, foil-wrapped chocolate. Yeah, basically, it's it's never it was never like nobody did it for money or like toys. Usually it was just like, hey, here's a big bag of guilt. It came in little uh, yellow like bags made of yellow netting uh, yes. that you would cut open and spill out. And then you just sort of gather them all. Well, you would you would each have a little thing. And then depending on uh, the letter that came up when you spun the dreidel, you would either, you know, put in one or you would take half or you would take it all or you'd have to put everything in. Okay. So, that's how the game of, of dreidel went. So it really is sort of like a game of chance. There is no strategy involved, but I definitely have spun dreidels. 
many times. Not like the the more authentic large dreidels, like the ones that Lil was disgustingly eating uh, <laughs> during this episode, but more Not so like the funny. the very small blue ones that you get at the dentist's yep. office when you're reaching to the basket of toys. Yep, there are dreidels yep. at the dentist's office. Uh, sure, yeah. If you go to if you go to certain types of dentists. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I know exactly what dreidels they are. They're the little plastic ones. You got blue. I usually chose white, but I know those dreidels. I've seen them before. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But no, there is no good prices to be won um when and and the guilt itself, game. like it was always, it was never Marble. fantastic chocolate. Chalky. Like it was. Yeah, it's like it was like I mean, it, you know, it, it really didn't taste. It was not very sweet. It was always Wasn't Phil always, eating it in this episode. Yeah, but it was. I mean, it was always always like milk chocolate, but it wasn't like it didn't taste as good as like a Hershey bar because again, it was made mm. specifically just to like look like a coin. Gotcha. No, it was always <laughs> chalky. Had like a white cast on it, like very mm-hmm. suspicious. Um, <laughs> You're really selling me on Hanukkah, guys. Okay, no. The- <laughs> thing is about Hanukkah is that it is not our most important holiday by miles and miles and miles. The only reason why Hanukkah is big is because it happens to be in December and you guys have Christmas. So (laughs) (laughs) sorry. Well, no, because I mean, two of the most important Jewish holidays come one right after the other, like a yep. couple months beforehand. This is essentially like, all right, we had our new year. Like now we wait a few months and now we celebrate Hanukkah. And I guess these guys are doing something at the same time. Yeah. So we might I well always felt them. bad for like uh, Jewish people when you go in the stores and there's like all these displays of Christmas ornaments and lights and garland. And then there's like a tiny end cap that has like blue yeah. Hanukkah things. Yeah. And that's what we've come accustomed to. So um, if you wonder why the, the stereotype is that Jewish people specialize in guilt, this is why. Not guilt. Not guilt. guilt. Yeah, guilt and guilt. Um, this is why. Because we are sufferers. We do not get two end caps at the grocery store. <laughs> Yeah, there's no like, there's no fun mascots. There's only one to to South Park's point. There's really only one uh, Hanukkah song. You know, there's there needs to be more of a, a burgeoning market in that regard. Yeah, we, I we agree get, with that. And I mean, Hallmark only started doing Hanukkah movies like what last year. So like, people are starting to catch onto the trend. But I think there there needs to be a bit of a catch up to be able to get yeah. to the same level as the Christmas monstrosity. Yeah. 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 Yes, yeah, so we need like a um, uh, princess switch for like a princess switch Hanukkah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I think that you know it, it it is something to be said about Rugrats being you know doing representation mm-hmm. on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we didn't have Rugrats, and I guess Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights, then what would we have? <laughs> I think if, we, oh, like, we, didn't, if we didn't have Adam Sandler's at Creative Nights, we'd have a lot more brain cells, I think, would be the thing. But I, <laughs> I agree that I think Rugrats, it really cannot be stated. Uh, you know, we are really lucky to be living in the landscape of television and especially animated television that we live in today. But I mean, you know, looking at all the Christmas specials that occurred across live action and animated mediums, even yeah. in the midnight up to the mid 90s, it was truly out there to have like an outright hanukkah episode and that has now made its way into into live tv as well but i remember this was one of the first times that the holiday was really acknowledged and to sarah's very fantastic points early on like that 
that did mean something. And it meant something on both ends to those that didn't know a lot about the holiday and yeah. to those that the holiday meant a lot to, but they never really had heard people talking about it on screen, except for maybe like a passing mention. It, it was really great to sort of have that servant serve to masters for, for lack of a better term and create a really entertaining episode from a really top tier entertaining show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will say as someone who grew up not Jewish, like I remember learning about, I believe it was Passover from the Rugrats Passover episode. And then yeah. what is that movie? Is it a prince, Prince of Egypt? Yeah, that Beautiful Prince movie. of Egypt. Yeah, I, 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 I. I love that movie. Yeah, that and that was the one that had the uh, the Whitney Houston like there can be miracles. Yes. I think that's from Prince of Egypt. Yes, Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey, both of them. <laughs> that's what it was. I was, I was, I was like, yes. I thought it was Whitney Houston and Brandy, but I don't, I didn't think it was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Whitney mm -hmm. and Mariah. Mariah, Crazy. like two iconic divas of music, and we got we believe um we believe in miracles or whatever the song is, spectacular. Do we have any other feedback, Sarah? No, just uh, a couple of people appreciating, like Sarah Noor, that, um, like we've been saying, it was great to see um, that representation. Mm -hmm. Brendan Fitzpatrick said that, that was really his first exposure to yeah. the story of Hanukkah and Passover. And, and what I loved about it, too, is that it's almost like backdoor exposure, right? Because, like, Rugrats was yeah. not brought in as, like, we're going to teach people about major cultural holidays. And it just so happened that they had built up so much goodwill and like so much confidence in their own product that you get episodes like Passover and Hanukkah. You right. talked before about the, the history of the classy super, but they're like, all right, now that that kids are really interested in this show, let's show that we can still educate about these things without making it seem like it's now like an after school special or something you would see on Sesame street. That seems like more educational than entertaining. It can, it can be both. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, and I liked. I know the Passover episode of Rugrats is. Um, that I don't think it takes place in like current time Rugrats reality. It's fully the story of Passover. I did like <clears throat> the how the Hanukkah episode mixed in some like uh, the baby shenanigans that is like so um, beloved with uh, Rugrats in general. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a good episode. Um, so if we don't have any more feedback, we can get into, uh, to wrapping up. Mike, tell us all, everything you have going on. I'm sure you have a million plugs to make. Yeah, I've got eight crazy podcasts. <laughs> uh, yeah. So at, at the moment we are recording this, I've embarked on several voyages of the podcast variety. Of course, the amazing race is uh, another thing that serves to educate in a very entertaining way is finishing up its 32nd season, which has finally come out. And so I'm doing two podcasts a week there with Jessica Lee and Rob Sesternino. And I'm also doing a couple of Survivor podcasts as well with Rob Sesternino doing some very silly ranking and, and ratings as well as we make our way through the desert that is this off season for 40 days and 40 nights or probably a lot longer, uh, depending on when Survivor comes back. And then over on post-show recaps, so Josh Wiggler and I are in our second year of Down the Hatch, which is a Lost Rewatch podcast. For those of you uh, that may not be aware of it, we watch a, a Lost episode every week. Right now, we are in the tail and the taily end of season three, which is just an immaculate streak of episodes for Lost, and we were having the time of our lives. Jessica Lee and I are also covering Star Trek Discovery, which is in its third season and really doing some bonkers stuff as well in a good way. So that's over on Post Show Recaps. And then in January, I should have a few more other projects coming as well. I will leave those uh, mysterious, uh, see if they ignite 
come 2021, much like uh, some nice Hanukkah flames, just don't get too close if you're lighting up oil. But otherwise, you can follow all the stuff I'm doing, including the writing I'm doing as well for Parade.com and CBR.com over at a Mike Flume type, where you can apparently see archive <laughs> tweets of Rugrats, Cat Dog, and I'm assuming a lot of other 90s cartoons as well, for no audience in particular. <laughs> Um, so this is actually my fourth day of podcasting in a row. This is a Whoa! record for me, which is absolutely insane. How you doing? You got your stamina up? I'm good. I forgot. I said to Sarah today, I was like, I just got done with my fourth thing. She's like, no, today's your fourth day. And I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot. You don't put the car before the horse. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so I have a uh, check out Wombat Water. We just recorded an epic podcast. So that will be out in the near future with, uh, your own Josh Wiggler. Um, my so own your mine. own it's yours <laughs> so that's coming out soon um we just did our normal boy meets world coverage obviously shit 90s pod and then uh, every week i have community building with josh wiggler over on post recaps patron uh the patreon so join us at post recaps.com patreon to launch a full rewatch if we hit a thousand patrons so that's keeping going on we got rob sisternito coming up this week um, and Sarah and I are just keep hitting that Boy Meets World weekly. So that's uh, that's coming up next week. I think we're on episode 15 of season Yeah, I was going to say, where, where are you right now? Do you know what's coming up next? Uh, yeah, so we just watched the episode where Topanga has a crush on Eric. Um, so mm. we're, we're very early season, like early mid-season one right now. Yeah, is, is this <laughs> still is this mm-hmm. still weird, Topanga? Draw, draws lipstick yes. on her face to do a okay. poem about the ozone layer, Topanga? Okay, she is weird like any other millennial or Gen Zer. Like, like a crystal just, millennial. She's crystal. She has she yeah. likes auras. In this day and age, I would say that she's not that weird. Yeah. Well, I think her, her parents didn't they have like sort of like uh hokey Native American names that they Jedi, changed. Isn't it, it Jedediah or something? Isn't that her father's name? That's her father's name. Yeah. Well, okay. So we just learned her sister Nebula is um, Nebula Stop the War Lawrence. Yes. We just, mm-hmm. her full yeah. name. We just met. We yeah. Just so again, this, this is when we're still sort of in that form of, of Topanga yes. of like, oh, yes. this is the quirky girl and less so about like, this is going to be Corey's uh, OTP. But right. Yeah. And this yeah. is also in the the era, I'm assuming, of not dumb Eric, which is also very fun. Very hunky Eric. Yeah. Hunky he, Eric. Uh, yeah. He's not stupid yet. He's more hunky than stupid. Um, yeah. Morgan shouts all of her lines. We chat about that a lot. Oh, she just yeah. When they, when they were trying to do lines. like they were trying to do the Michelle Tanner effect for Morgan. I remember that. Yes, yeah. very much so. But we're enjoying it. I'm looking forward to getting into season two and beyond just because it is more of the like what we remember Boy Meets World as and less mm-hmm. Philly sports talk constantly, which really isn't our cup of tea. But you know maybe for some yeah i forgot that Corey was such a sports fan early on and i think as become he becomes honestly more of a dweeb as they get into high school they they sort of like focus less on that he wants to be a baseball player but he's never played baseball in his life i'm pretty positive (laughs) it's a very funny storyline that happens a lot and we're not quite there yet with sean being like having as many family issues and money issues and and all of that that hasn't really come into play too much yet so we're still early on you're in prime Minkus territory. So that's oh, that's yes. the silver lining. Yeah. We got some Minkus. He mm-hmm. is Minkusing all over the place. He, he Minkuses up the room constantly. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> so keep uh, keep listening to us for more Boy Meets World content. That's coming out yep. weekly. Um coming up soon we will have some more Christmas content uh on the way with Christmas coming up. So uh yeah, keep an eye on those podcast feeds. We're at shit90s pod on Twitter and Instagram. 
Yeah, and please uh, email us for feedback or discussion on Boy Meets World or Rugrats, CatDog, whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> Shit90spod at gmail.com. Um, we love getting emails. It always makes me so excited when I get an email. Always. I love, yes. I love emails. <laughs> You're one of the only ones I think are like, oh my god, I got an email today. Oh, I got an email today. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's a Venn diagram of like hot takes of like, Harry Potter's the best character in the Harry Potter universe, and I love getting emails. And it's Sarah Ferguson right in the middle. Right there. in the middle. <laughs> so true. Uh, so yeah. Um, so <laughs> you follow, follow me at Sarah Ferguson for more wonderful hot takes. Um, Absolutely, and thank you everybody for being here with us today. And we will talk to you again next time. Bye. Bye.